Yo, what's up, dudes? From the humble beginnings of streetwear forms like Hypebeast to having a runway show at New York Fashion Week, that's the story of this week's guest. I interview my friend TK, who started a Korea-inspired streetwear brand with his brother. TK and his brother grew up in New Jersey as second-generation Korean-Americans. After moving to Asia, they became inspired by what they saw in Korea and started a streetwear brand that mixes in traditional Korean elements. This brand is called Isehae, which means second generation in Korean. I've seen this clothing brand grow from the very beginning, so it was a lot of fun to unearth the behind the scenes. I think you guys will really enjoy it. And if you're interested in creating a clothing brand, we talk about some of the key elements you need to make it a success. And just before we start, if you like this episode, please subscribe or share. If you really like it, then please write a five-star review. That would be awesome. I would love that. Lastly, I have a Facebook group where I'm gathering badass Asian dudes who are all hustling, collaborating, and leveling each other up. If this sounds interesting, apply to join. You can find it on Facebook and search Badass Asian Dudes. Thanks again, and let's start the show. I think that you guys have a pretty crazy story because I remember from back in the day, I think you guys started off on the Hypebeast forums. Yeah, we're actually a forum brand. Yeah. Like, I was an English major. Kevin was a finance major. And then, like, we came to start, like, a fashion brand. You know what I'm saying? So, all of our, like, formal education isn't in fashion, but it was all through the internet and all these fashion forums that... We were like active in like every day. You know what I'm saying? I just searched on the Hypebeast forums. I don't think they have the forums anymore. It got deleted. Yeah. Yeah. But I was looking for you guys' old posts. You know why? Because social felt- media made it yeah. irrelevant pretty much. But before social media, like all the like minded people from every city in all over the world who were interested in this kind of stuff, like street wars, new culture, they all gathered in this place. So like even all my homies around me like weren't into like sneaker culture or like streetwear. So I spent hours every day just like making friends on the internet and like learning about this whole industry, you know? No, I think that was really, really awesome because from what I remember, I think you guys, even before you launched, you guys built up like a nice hype about your brand. Yeah. I mean, the forums was number one, it's exactly our target market and like being on these like fashion forums for so long. Like your reputation grows the more you post. It's like Reddit, you know, if you're active, like everyone knows your username. It was kind of like that. And like throughout college, like I would buy and sell sneakers, like denim. So like my reputation as a legitimate seller was very positive, you know. So when I started and launched the brand on these forums, it's like, oh, you know, he's one of ours. Like we have to support this brand. And yeah, so we launched like that. Would and you then, guys also go to meetups? Like, were there like hype beasts, like meetups where people would there meet were, in person? There um, were. So I went to college in upstate New York, in Binghamton, which is like a three, four hour drive from the city. So I didn't make a lot of those meetups. But um, I think the first internet meetup I did was when uh, Tumblr started popping off. That was like right after the forums. So I met a lot of friends through tumblr that have similar interests that are still my friends today that's dope know? and like it's weird because a lot of these tumblr people a lot of people from the forums they all we were all kids back then 
but they all became someone kind of relevant within the industry. Like they started working at magazines, they started working at Hypebeast headquarters. So all these people from this small community ended up helping us so much. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, it's all from like a small community. No, much. that's, that's really cool. I feel like I've seen a lot of that kind of thing in different kinds of communities, not just streetwear, but you know, even something like crypto. For like, sure. Yeah. There's For like sure. crypto meetups where I would go. And now that I've been in that kind of industry for a while mm-hmm. like i see that wow like they like did something in that industry and they're a lot bigger now definitely man because it starts small these are all like subcultures you know what i'm saying whether it be fashion or finance or whatever yeah it always starts small with like people that are super interested in this one topic and then you build a community from there and then it just snowballs you know okay so let's start from the beginning you said that you didn't study fashion your brother didn't study fashion either mm-hmm. So how do you guys get into the fashion industry? My first experience with fashion actually was me and Kevin, we grew up in a Catholic school where we wore uniforms every day. So the concept of fashion was so foreign to us. And then in fourth grade, we went from Catholic school to a public school. And my mom was just dressing me then. But then going to public school, like... You know, you see all these kids wearing quote unquote cool clothing. And I remember like the first time I got um a pair of like Jenko jeans. Like literally the coolest kid. Oh, yeah, I remember me. those yeah, jeans. He gave me those wide ass jeans. Yeah, the yeah. wide ass rave <laughs> rave jeans. But those are in at that time. And I remember I got my first pair. I went to school and yeah, like the most popular kid came up to me was like, yo, like nice pants. And that was like the first experience. I was like, wow, like fashion <laughs> is can do something, you know, like, so I think that's like the first experience I had with fashion. And then from there, I got really into hip hop music. Hip hop music led me into b-boying and b-boying is what led me into sneaker culture at first. Wait, so you know how to break dance? <laughs> uh, I'm not good. I mean, it started from middle school, like every Korean does. I've known TK for years, but I never knew that. Yeah, I was, was actually B-boy. part of the college club too. And I would practice like every now and then. And then I got really injured one year and I stopped. But that's what led me to sneaker culture. And that's how I found Hypebeast Forums like in 2005 or 2006. And then that's what led me into streetwear, this whole industry that was very nascent at the time. Okay, so 2005, 2006, I think that's about the time that we entered college. Yeah. So you were just really into posting on the forums, just posting on the forums and then during college um, to make money like side cash i was just buying and selling a lot of sneakers um how was that it was dope because i would buy a sneaker because these like collectible sneakers they go up and down in value you know so i remember at one point i would buy a pair of sneakers i would wear it for a couple months and then sell it for more than what i bought it for and i got to rock it so I was wearing new shoes like every other week and then making money on it, getting rid of it. And then also like, you know, building my reputation online as like a legitimate seller. And yeah, that's how it all started. That's good. I think I feel like a lot of the entrepreneurs that I know, like since they were younger, they always had that kind of like hustle mentality mm. and they always were trying to like buy and sell something. For sure. Yeah. So, okay. So you're buying and selling sneakers and then what was next? Buying and selling sneakers, that kind of um, yeah, gave me spending money through college. And then I graduated in 2009. You graduated the same year, right? Yeah, same yeah, year. Worst year ever to graduate. Yes. So I remember 
going to like New York City, applying for all these jobs that I didn't really give a shit about. No interest in these industries. But I was always interested in fashion now, you know. So my dad actually lived in China for like eight years. And he said, oh, China's the future. You have to learn Mandarin. Like, you don't want to, you know, work at any of these companies anyway. Why don't you go travel and take a language program out in China? So about for six months, I pretty much sold almost all my sneakers, all my streetwear, saved up like a few thousand dollars, and I just moved to China. And how then, much How much did you save up? Like 5K? Probably a little more than 5K because I paid for my semester housing and then, um, you know, like cash to live on for a little bit. But, so what was the plan when you moved to China? I enrolled in um, uh, a university. It was like an international language program in a city called Hangzhou. It's like an hour outside Shanghai. And it was just going like to another college school, like overseas, you know, everyone's partying. But China was so good because it exposed me to people from all over the world, all these different cultures. It was my first time meeting people from all these different countries. And everyone there had that entrepreneur mindset. They all went to China to like pursue business or, you know, like I had this one friend from Afghanistan. He was already exporting medical equipment to Afghanistan. He was like 17. Yeah. I think, <laughs> you know? I think around that time, a lot of people were thinking about China for as sure. becoming a lot bigger, for sure. even for me as well. So that's why I started getting interested in e-commerce because uh -huh. I felt like at the time everyone was talking about China. Yeah, man, it was, it was crazy. It was a lot of fun, but on the other side, you know, you're learning a language and you're meeting all these connections from all over the world and they already have this like entrepreneur mindset. So it kind of like changed how I think about everything. Yeah. And I bet that if you reconnected with those classmates, they probably are doing some big things in China too. Yeah. I, mean, I still keep in touch with um, a lot of them and they're all, yeah, doing pretty well. So that's dope. Yeah. So you are in this program in China, you're learning Chinese. Mm -hmm. And I remember that you said something about how you guys like wanted to start making sneakers or start making shoes in China. Yeah, that was a good learning experience. But if you don't have any experience in manufacturing or even starting a brand or any experience in fashion and to start a brand in China out of all places where you're not fluent, it was extremely, extremely hard. We did, I don't know how, but we did secure a small investment and we ended up probably sampling 13 different pairs that never came out right. So you guys chose sneakers because you guys were just really passionate about shoes? Like, Yeah, we were into sneakers. Like, That's kind of what introduced us into this whole like streetwear industry, you know? And we thought we had a good idea for sneakers at the time, but... What was the idea? Um, it was kind of based on... So like Converse and Vans. Like Converse has the all-star. Vans has the authentic. And they've been making and selling this uh, model, this silhouette for 50, 60 years. All they do is change the fabrics and the colorways, you know? So at that time, we were kind of basing our design off the Vans authentic. Have you worn a pair? Of yeah, definitely. Yeah, everyone LA. has. It's a staple, Yeah, you know? But we thought... The rounded toe looked too old school. We wanted like a more, you know, common projects. Yeah. 
That's I have some common projects yeah, over yeah, there. Great shoes, you know. Yeah, like common projects actually became popping on the forums too. Actually, on Hypebeast forums. Oh, it was another forum. I was I was part of maybe three, four forums. Yeah, they were started popping on Style Forum. Oh, cool. I'm into Style Forum too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's how they got their first customer base. Actually, ah, so a lot I didn't of big know brands that. Started from the forums, actually. Hmm. Um. Style forum is huge because I remember there's the streetwear one and then there's like the more the like dapper, tailored. Yeah, yeah, the yeah, daily, yeah. Uh, the, yeah. I was more on like the tailored uh, section. Yeah, you're always clean cut. <laughs> That's your style for a while. I didn't know that, but I remember that people were talking about common projects all the time on yeah. style forum. That's how they got big. A lot of brands got their start on the forums, man. <laughs> Damn. Yeah. That's pretty crazy. So yeah, common projects was super popular on the forums. You know, they're, toe box is a little sharper yeah like slimmer modern yeah Yeah. um but the price point is just insane yeah like 400 bucks i mean now it was like maybe 300 then it's like 450 whatever now how much did you pay i think like 400 yeah yeah it's insane but we wanted to do that for canvas shoes and we were researching all these um crazy insoles so we wanted to make the most comfortable modern shoe that was accessible to most people mm. um that was the idea <laughs> uh and we probably spent almost a year trying to do that who'd you guys get the loan from <laughs> so we put together this really horrible business plan i'm also very curious about the amount like what did you guys i think, think you needed to launch a shoe we had brand? no idea I think we received $18,000 around there. And it was from a business professor from New York that my dad introduced us to. So he was really fascinated with the whole internet culture. And like, I gave him figures of like how much money I was making buying and selling sneakers, denim. And I was like, yo, this is the new wave. You know, successful brands are launching from the forums. So we're going to follow. I'm sure Common Projects was in there somewhere in my business plan, you know? <laughs> so he gave us the money and we lived off that we made samples off that and the company failed <laughs> but again it was a good learning experience so i think like a lot of the mistakes we made trying to launch that brand taught us a lot before launching Ise. how far did you guys get with that brand you guys had samples like you guys got all the way up to samples like making <laughs> yeah, samples the and- design was done we visited factories all over China, visited fabric markets all over China. I really think we made at least 10 samples. Like 13 comes to my mind for some reason. But they were all just not the right vibe. When did you guys decide that this project wasn't going to work? When we ran out of money and there wasn't a final product, there wasn't production. And, you know, we were so naive. You can't start a shoe brand with whatever, $18,000. Because what we didn't anticipate at first was all the different sizes and you need molds and um, what's it called? The last, the shoe last and the molds for every size, which is tens of thousands of dollars. Yeah, that's that's a lot of different sizes. Yeah, so... No, but that sounds like a really amazing learning experience. For sure. I think it helped us a lot um, when we actually started Issei, So Okay, so you close that and then... What happens next? So we closed that. But during our time living in Hangzhou, we met this guy named Mr. Joe. He was kind of like our Chinese father. 
always took care of us. He gave us a, he gave us free office space. Like he's he was the one that was flying us all around China on his dollar. So basically, he was the head of the international division of a Chinese brand. You know, kind of like Express, yeah, the mall brand, yeah. So he was the head of the international division for this Chinese brand. They had like thirty five hundred stores. You know, billions of dollars in sales. So he really tried to help us out a lot. That's awesome. And he also controlled, like, you know, some of the biggest factories in China. So, anyways, we had this connection, and my father's friend was managing this Korean designer, and they needed production. Yeah, I feel like your dad helped a lot. That's awesome. He's the type of guy that talks to everyone. Like, yeah, he makes friends on every elevator, right up or right down. He talks to everyone, dude. So yeah, he did try to help us out a lot. But then we met this Korean designer, and he's like, "Oh, you guys should come and visit Seoul." And at that point, we haven't traveled to Seoul since elementary school. We didn't know anything about Korea; like, we knew more about China actually. So we went to go visit him in Seoul. Talked with him a lot. He was kind of blown away by all the internet culture too. So he was like, "Oh, like we should start a brand together." We're like, "All right." So we literally spent all our money for three months going back and forth, maybe four trips. And he's like, "You guys should move here. Like, let's do this." So we packed. How up. old is this guy? He's like maybe mid forties at the time. Okay, he was fluent in English. Um, he had a brand. Yeah, I think he wanted to target like a younger audience, and he saw something in us, I guess. So we moved to Korea, and then he was like, "Oh, we can't do the brand anymore." So we moved here. Um, had nothing, didn't know anyone. How old are you guys at this point? 2012, maybe 24. Okay. Yeah, around there. Yeah. But what we did have was our first samples we made with him. And we had the connection to the bag manufacturer. So, yeah, we made... We pro- I think we started... Issa started as a bag company... Uh, we're more known for our clothing now, but we so started how did with you, first. Let's go back. How did you guys uh, go from shoes, and then how did you guys decide to get into bags? So bags is a lot easier because it's one size. It's potentially unisex. It's four season product. It was just easier financially, and yeah, that was pretty much it. I think the the first generation Issei bags were really really sick. I still have mine. You probably have the second generation. I have the second generation. Because the first generation, okay. it was inspired from a monk sack. You probably have a day pack more of a Yeah, I got the day style, pack. Right? Yeah. That's like second generation. Our first generation. So, I mean, for people that don't know the brand, Ise means second generation in Korean. And basically, we take inspirations from both traditional and modern Korean culture and reinterpret it through our lens for our generation. That's why the meaning is second generation. Um, so our first bags were literally inspired from these bags monks would carry all around the city, you know. Like when we first came to Seoul, we had no idea about anything here. So we spent most of our time traveling. And that's what actually gave us the idea for the brand. We didn't come here to start our own brand, you know. Um, but traveling around the city, I mean, around the whole country, you know, we were exposed to like, you know, traditional Korean architecture, design, uh, natural dye, traditional fabrics, um, you know, like the palace and Hanoks and all yeah, that. Yeah, for sure. Um, and we were really proud of 
our heritage, I guess, for the first time. And we didn't see any Korean inspired streetwear brands. So we're like, oh, maybe this will work. And that's kind of like how we got started. Yeah, I think that idea was so fresh, you know, like exactly what you said. Like I never saw like a Korean inspired streetwear brand. Because there's so many Japanese ones that are huge global brands, but we couldn't find anything um, like Korean inspired, but also modern at the same time. And we wanted to wear this kind of stuff and we couldn't find it. So, okay, maybe we should just start on red. So you get that idea and then do you start immediately posting about that idea on the Hypebeast forums? What did you guys do? So actually, as soon as I moved to China, I started a Tumblr blog just documenting my travels. I was always into blogging. So in China, through my Tumblr and also very active on the forums, I had a few thousand followers on that just based on travel and that transitioned to us showcasing the journey of making shoes and that not going well and then us moving to east uh to korea and then starting east there was always a behind the scenes element where people were so interested in the process and they felt like they were kind of starting this brand with us you know we were taking them along the journey so bro that's like advanced marketing stuff you know that's like what like marketers like talk about all the time but i felt like you guys were so young and you didn't know about that kind of thing but you guys were yeah it was so grassroots it's free you know and people are sharing the content um and these people were really into what we were doing you know so they would tell their friends like word of mouth marketing is so important you know yeah i think it was just an interesting story Especially from like my friends and my internet friends, like no one moves to mainland China to start a brand or like none of these kids on the forums were living in Korea. So the, it was the travel aspect of it and also the starting the brand aspect of, I think, what garnered this, you know, following. And they were our first customers. They were our first marketing team. So you're posting about this on Tumblr and... And the forums. And the forums. Multiple forums. Got it. And... People are responding very yeah, positively. positively. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, they're the ones. You know, they bought our first products. You know, I think our first, like we started the company. I think around with two thousand dollars. I think we made around twenty bags. Set up like a shitty big cartel online store, and we did sell it to six different countries though. So even though it's only twenty bags. We knew that something Korean inspired was appealing to different places because we had that small amount of data, you know. So, um, yeah, with the money we made from that, we were covering all living expenses and then we were broke. So we were pitching this brand concept to as many people as we could. Okay, so you were pitching that concept and showing those investors that hey like i made these bags for like two thousand dollars i made these bags we you know we referenced so many culturally inspired brands none of them were from korea and we basically showed them you know like these japanese brands these hong Kongese brands taiwanese brands they're all going global and we know the market we know what type of brands are out there and there's nothing like this from korea and our sales aren't high but we sold in six, seven countries, like just pitching this. And then on top of that, pitching the whole internet culture, which is very new at the time. We got an offer actually. It was like a $50,000 offer, but we said no because the company wanted to control a majority share. 
which is crazy to think now because we were so broke. And we were a week away from moving back to New York to get real jobs. I remember we had like $53 in our bank account. And then we pitched one more investor and he was like, yeah, let's do it. So he ended up paying us a salary and he would fund our production and operation costs for one year. In exchange, he would take all the profits for one year. But we didn't think there were going to be profits anyways. And we were so broke while we're at salary. Hell yeah. You're going to fund you for a year. Hell yeah. Let's do it. You know? And we ended up staying in Korea and starting the brand. How did you find these investors? All through friends of friends, friends of my dad's friends. We were pitching everyone, man, like for two, three months. And literally last week, we found someone that's like, yeah, let's do it. I'm like, okay. Okay, so you close that deal, and then what's next? What do you guys do after that? So that's when we started the second generation of bags, which you... I think bought. Yes. Um, it was like six months of trial and error till we finally made something we thought was sellable. So this investment company, they actually had six different divisions. They were selling, you know, like a JYP. Oh yeah. yeah K-pop. Pac- Pac- yeah. yeah. So he came out with like a, a, a headphone line then trying to compete with beats and all that. So they were doing that. They were doing a bunch of other like t-shirt brand, like all this other stuff that I've been running for, you know, quite some time. But because we had this internet following, when we launched with the first collection, we were the number one company out of all the companies that he had. We were like <laughs> crushing it then. So they looked at us completely differently, you know, and they kind of like ignored us because we were, you know, Korean Americans. Like we didn't follow any of their rules. We we're like, no, like, they're just suggesting us to collab with this weird brand. This And they just didn't see like the whole vision. So they kind of ignored us at, at the time. And then when we launched, we started killing it. So they're like, oh shit, like you better, you know, give these guys a chance. Um, and that's how it ran for a little bit. Yeah. Okay. But even before like leading up to the launch, is this, so this is all like grassroots, like through the forums, you're just posting like yeah, all no the time. Marketing. I mean, even up until now, we don't really spend any money on marketing. Now it's just covered through, you know, sites like Hypebeast where it's their job to find new content. And there's tons of sites like Hypebeast now, even, you know, print magazines. It's their job to find new and interesting content. So it's not like we never really pay for marketing, even from the beginning and up until now. So yeah, like it was because of that the brand keeps growing. Yeah, so you launch your bags and it sells really well. Yeah. So you guys are I'm sure you guys are so pumped. Like what do you guys decide to do next? Super pumped and that gave us more freedom within the company to try more things out cuz they're like, okay, these guys are doing they have something and it's not like a crazy successful business yet, but they're doing pretty well, you know. So we developed another collection with them that also sold out was it another line of bags it was another line of bags so the first line was leather mixed with natural dye that's kind of where the korean element I mean, that's yeah okay comes in. yeah and then the next collection was full leather but we used all the hardware on the bags were from like traditional korean furniture and stuff like that that sold out and then we wanted to apply this concept to like a different category. So we started making wallets, 
cardholders, briefcases. That did really well too. Yeah, I think that was a great concept. And the stuff that you guys came out with was super nice. It was, was just, we were super freestyling nice. everything, man, you know? But it was working. But that's how we operated for about a year. And then something with the investment company happened and they had to fold, which was actually a blessing in disguise because they had to return complete ownership back to us. And at that time, we already made a whole production run. And as soon as the company folded, this group of boutique stores in Australia just bought out the whole lot, like the entire production. So that's what funded the next season. Okay, hold up. We got we to gotta go back. How does this company in Australia even find you? Well, to be honest, it's, it's sites like Hypebeast. I think by then we dropped three collections. All these blogs and websites are covering it. So we were getting wholesale orders from the beginning. And yeah, this boutique chain, I, don't, I think they had maybe four stores. They were just super interested in something that's, you know, Korean inspired. They bought a bunch of the monk bags, a bunch of the natural dye stuff. And they, yeah, that was our biggest order. They bought out every single piece pretty much. And that's what funded the next season when we didn't have an investor. That must have been really exciting. Oh my God. The feeling was crazy, man. Because we thought if we didn't have the support and backing of the investment company, this company is going to fold and we would have to go back to America and find a job or whatever. But uh, thankfully that happened and we were able to continue the business. Okay. And then what's next? So the company is growing very slowly and then we start running out of money. So yeah, that was like a really struggle period. At that point we had, our team was growing and the company got to, I mean, on the outside, it seemed like we were doing really well. Of course, on on online, you only show like the best parts of everything, you know. <laughs> you know, you know that whole thing for sure. But you know, behind the scenes, we we're running out of money, and this was two years after the first company folded. But then that investor started a venture capital firm, so it was us just pitching everyone we could again. We got an offer from one venture capital. And then I told that to my initial investor who just started a new VC. And he was like, whatever offer they give you, I'm going to beat it. So we ended up going with him again. We were the only fashion company he funded. I think they funded maybe 20 tech startups. We were the only fashion brand. And that's when we transitioned to clothing. Yeah, so we secured an investment from VC started the clothing and the clothing is what really kind of helped the brand take off pretty much so yeah it's always because of an investment we're able to like reach new milestones you know so did you guys transition into clothing because that's a much bigger market so we had a few issues with just doing bags because we didn't have a lot of funding to do marketing like our existing customers can't buy a new bag every season you know what i'm saying for sure and at the time, too, we were designing new bag styles and new concepts. But our wholesale orders would just buy the standard day pack because that's what sells easily. You know, this very conceptual stuff. It's better for the brand image and marketing. But when it comes down to sales, it's harder to sell something like this crazy. So what they were ordering was the same stuff in new colors, new fabrics. So it didn't make sense to keep designing new things. 
So it was very boring creatively. And we thought with clothing, we can kind of show more of the brand concept and experiment more. Um, so after the investment, we launched uh, our first clothing brand. And that was about three and a half years ago. And our focus has been clothing since then because yeah, that's what really took the brand to the next level. So once you guys launched clothing, was it a lot of sales right off the bat? A lot of attention at first, which transitioned to sales. But the first season... I mean, it was, it was the same approach. We had no idea what we were doing with clothes. Yeah, I feel like there's also like a lot of challenges. You guys have been making bags for a few seasons uh-huh. and now you transition to clothing. I feel like there's definitely a learning curve. Yeah, you have to deal with different fabrics, different sizing, brand new factories. Yeah, we really had no idea what we were doing, but it did pretty well for not knowing that much. But when you look at the first collection and then the collection we just showed in Paris now, there's a huge difference in design and quality. Yeah, the brand has, I think every season, we're just getting better and better. It's getting more refined and the concept is getting more honed in. Yeah. Everything is trial and error, man. When you don't have a education, like a background in fashion, everything is trial and error. And that's how we've always approached everything. No, I think it's uh, really, really cool to see how the brand has grown. So like I said before, I remember like those initial posts on Hypebeast Forum when you like showed off You actually your brand. saw those? Yeah. Oh, you did? Yeah. I remember looking at that and thinking like, damn, that's that's pretty cool. And now to see how you guys have grown and you guys are international, you guys are everywhere. And then also you guys have done a lot of partnerships with some big brands like mm-hmm. Under Armour, mm-hmm. Gore-Tex. Mm-hmm. How did you get those kind of partnerships? So a lot of the big partnerships came after we did our first runway show for New York Fashion Week. So when you do something like a runway show, especially for New York during Fashion Week, the marketing exp- exposure you get is just insane. You're like you're a put on the map. You're, you have legitimacy now. So after we did... The runway show, especially being a brand from Korea, a lot of these international companies are trying to find opportunities in a different market to grow their brand as well. So for us being based in Seoul, it's very advantageous for our brand because all these big global brands are trying to target this market as well. So we got hit up by yeah, Under Armour to do that event. Um, Gore-Tex, we became a brand partner. Um, but again, I think if we were based like in New York, let's say, I don't think these opportunities would have come to us, you know, because we're based in Seoul, but we're going global now. Um, I think that's why these bigger companies are reaching out to us. How did you even get a New York fashion week? How do you lead up to a New York fashion week? So, I mean, it's a great time to start a brand in Korea right now. So just like how K-pop started, like in the eighties or nineties, there's a lot of government backing. Like the government made all these, you know, funding funded programs to push soft culture out and, and um, export culture, you know. And now that K-pop and K-hip-hop or whatever has gotten so big, I think they think the next transition is fashion. Because fashion and music is very related, you know. So there's so much government support. Um, so we had to pitch again for this government program. 
um, ended up getting it, and that's how we funded our first show. Yeah, they actually gave us. So it's a one-year program. You get two shows, one for spring and summer, one for fall, winter, um, and it was like two hundred fifty grand a show. Holy shit! And you need that much. That's crazy. That yeah, but again, it's all these government programs. Um, so that that this. program is in Korea. It's like the Korean government funding brands here in Korea. Yeah, um, I just came back from a meeting with them. That's why I was in Gangnam. Got it. Got it. Yeah. So we just got confirmed for another two shows. Damn. Okay. So fashion shows are like two hundred fifty grand. That's insane. Also, what are the logistics for even putting on a production that big? Like. You guys had never done a New York Fashion Week before, so you get 250 grand. What do you guys even do? What is the first step? So you can do a show for less, maybe around 100 grand, but the 250 allowed us to work with the best companies in New York. Like we had the best stylist. Um, his name is Matthew Ensign. He's the creative. He's the fashion director for ASAP Mob, like ASAP Rocky and that whole crew. So he was styled the last two shows. He's going to style our next two shows. You guys just randomly hit him up like on the internet or how do you even so reach someone like that? We do the showroom business in Paris and in New York and our showroom in New York, his agency was in the same room as us. Um, so we're like, yo, Matthew, uh, we have a show coming Damn, up. That's awesome. But again, the budget allowed us to approach him, you know, from the government. What were you talking about? I feel like for me, like what I was talking about was, oh. So you've never done like New York oh, yeah. Fashion Week, like never had a huge production like that. Yeah. So the fun, it goes back to the funding, you know, it also allowed us to work with the best PR agency, um, book the best venue. It just allowed us to do so much where all we had to prepare was the samples, uh, the runway music. And then it was three days of model casting and we just choose the models. So everything else is pretty much taken care of by these other companies. That is really cool that's like so exciting for your brand you know like your first new york fashion week you get 250k to put on the best show that you can mm -hmm. that's like a huge moment for you guys' brand no for sure and i think what was really cool is like we're from new jersey i went to college in new york and we left to korea we started a korean inspired brand and then to go back to new york to debut at new york fashion week that was like huge for us you know all our friends all our family came out and most of our connections were based in New York as well. So our friend at Nike sponsored all the shoes. Um, we threw a party with all our like local DJ friends. And it's just like bringing like a bunch of people together that we've known for such a long time for our first show. So it was pretty dope. Yeah. And they've also probably seen your brand grow from the very beginning as well. So that's sure. seriously awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of support. From okay. So you have this huge New York fashion week what kind of opportunities come out of that? So that's when those big brands like hit you up. Big brands start coming. A lot of stylists, magazines, photographers start hitting you up. Um, and also smaller brands, but really cool brands that are killing it in their own lane. You know, they start hitting us up. Um, the wholesale orders increase. More stores want to stock you. It just helps in every single way um, doing a runway show pretty much. Wow. That's yeah, it was really good for pretty us. cool. So do you think that was maybe the, one of the most important moments of your brand? Like that was like a turning point where it just that really, was really a turning point. And then 
to be able to do it again the next season, that just legitimizes you even further. Yeah. And then we have another two scheduled now. So every time we do a show, the impact, I think, gets bigger and bigger and bigger because you're just establishing yourself more as yeah. a runway brand, you know? Wow. That is pretty cool. So I guess just the strategy now is just do New York Fashion Week every year. So this government program, we can get it for three years total. We just got <laughs> it for the second year. And hopefully the year after we can get it again. And yeah. then we can't get it anymore. So, got it. Okay. Uh, then you, maybe you start a new brand. Nah. <laughs> I got to put 10 years into this. So, okay. So New York Fashion Week, what other strategies have been working really well for you? I think the biggest standout, like what the press was all talking about, was how diverse our cast is, um, like the models. Like we had, you know, black, white, Asian, Hispanic. Um, that's a real big issue in the States, like diversity, you know. For us, we didn't cast these people to fit that trend or anything, you know. We just picked what we thought looked best in the clothes and showed the clothes off the best. And But that surprised us because that was the talking point for almost all the like the interviews and all that stuff we did. So, um, yeah, that got us a lot, a lot of attention. Got it. And so also, are you guys doing a lot of other different kinds of marketing? We have a lot. So like websites like Hypebeast, they shoot editorials all the time. And there's so many, again, there's so many websites like this where they reach out to us and they spend their own money styling and shooting their own editorial. Yeah, because I, I remember I just saw that Hypebeast editorial that just came out. Yeah, so about that was like guys. a studio visits where they come visit our studio, yeah. meet the team. Um, they just shot another one with ASICS that's launching next week. Um, and then another one Hypebeast is shooting in like three weeks later. So like, it's getting to the point where other companies are producing the content for us which is amazing because we don't spend any money, you know, for sure. And it reaches their audience and we get to reuse the content on our platforms. Too. Yeah. So, and also I feel like that also legitimizes you and gets them to advertise your brand to their audience. For sure. And it'll attract other big brands to us now. Uh, it's just kind of like a snowball effect, man. Any marketing through these like legitimate sites is going to just benefit us in so many ways, you know? So if you were to start your own brand today, like if you were like going back in time mm -hmm. and you didn't have your brand now and you were to start a new clothing brand like today, mm -hmm. what do you think you would do to get that brand off the ground? I think, honestly, I think funding is so big because, yeah, we went through the hardest times because we had no funding and also our lack of experience, we wasted a lot of time and a lot of money that I think could have been avoided, you know? Um, so the funding's big. I think avoided, but also I think you probably learned a lot of lessons Yeah, because it puts those. you up against the wall, and that's when you make the most moves because you have to survive, you know? So there's that too. There's pros and cons, I think, you know? And also, like, I also think, you know, getting a fashion education will help you in a lot of ways too. But at the same time, it teaches you all these rules that you think you need to follow. Whereas, you know, we came into this with a completely open mind. So we just try whatever you want. If it works, great, it works. If it doesn't, we try something else. 
it's just a trial and error period. So there's pros and cons to having a fashion background and not having a fashion background as well. And I think what's important is uh, building a, a small community at first, making that strong, and then worry about growing into like a much bigger brand. You know, like start locally with your friends and people around you that have you know similar interests, and build from there. Yeah, for sure. I think that's such important advice. I feel like even for my podcast now, that's what I'm trying to do. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to build a core community of people that I mean, really, you're already really doing like it, it, man, with the badass uh, Asian dudes facebook group yes um, exactly yeah. so that's like what i want to do and then from there it grows outward because sure. people tell their friends about it for sure and so on and you're also like providing value both ways yeah so, so what i man. what i thought was really cool was that you know like that kind of thing like i've learned a lot through like reading about marketing Mm -hmm. or reading about like business. Like Mm -hmm. this is like how like you should like market through that, like grassroots, but you guys were so young and you guys didn't know about that kind of thing, but you guys did it so naturally. For sure. I mean, it was the, our only option, you know, we had to, we had no money to do anything else. Like we couldn't take out advertisements here or a billboard here. I mean, we still don't do that now, you know, but I think building that core community is so important because they're your marketing team, you know, and they're your first customers. Like they're the ones that are going to push your brand out to a much bigger audience. Yeah, for sure. And then also what you're talking about, how those people that you came up with, like they're doing big things now in fashion too. They're big players in the game now, you know, they've helped us, you know, the brand has been going for five, six years now. There's people that I've met on the forums that I haven't met in real life still that continue to help us every season. It's insane, man. It's really insane. I have a lot of close friends from the internet that I've never met in real life. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, it's really crazy. But you know what's really cool is I feel like a lot of the entrepreneurs, like the entrepreneurs like our age, like Mm -hmm. they were all about forums and like communities because even for myself, like Mm -hmm. I was always about like those like entrepreneur forums. Like I would be like talking to other like internet friends and like talking about business, like, Hey, what kind of business are you doing? And just collaborating with each other, like getting to know each other and like figuring out how people are making money. I feel like those internet forums were so important for my business. Because where do you find these people, you know, if they're not around you, you know? Um, and it was all these farms, man. Yeah. It's not just fashion, like just like you said. Yeah. yeah. Everything. Yeah. Literally everything. It's so dope, I think, you know? Yeah. It's dope. So crazy. Cool, man. I think that's a good interview, dude. Yeah? Yeah. Yo, dudes. That's the end of the interview. What do you guys think? I love that conversation. I love TK's hustle. And I think that he is a true entrepreneur, someone that sees obstacles and just tries to figure it out. I love that about him. So if you guys really enjoyed that, please share and subscribe. If you really enjoyed it, please leave a five-star review. And lastly, Facebook group, Badass Asian Dudes. It's really, really great to see. It's growing so fast. I love it. Thanks again, guys. And I'll see you guys next week.